Hi, this is Andrew, and this is Keynote, the daily now.tv chat show with some of the world's leading thinkers and writers. Hello, everybody. It's Monday, February the 20th, 2023. Uh, I don't think anyone's going to argue with that. Although some people might, some people might suggest that I got the day wrong, the year wrong, uh, maybe even myself wrong. Uh, it's President's Day, again, a kind of ontological certainty. We know U.S. has had presidents. It's arguable whether some of them are any good or not, but they certainly exist. Some of them have been carved in granite uh, in Dakota. So... Those kind of ontological certainties uh, seem undeniable, but there's more and more debate publicly about ontology, about what is real and what isn't. We've done a number of shows about that. QAnon, of course, is particularly notable. Some people might say notorious for their questioning of what scientists take for granted is ontology. Uh, did a show with Mia Bloom and Sophia Moskalenko have written a book on uh, QAnon inside the mind, if it does indeed have a mind. Um, they called their book Pastels and Pedophiles. And then we also did a show with Mike Rothschild, another chronicler of QAnon. Um, and we talked about whether or not QAnon was a threat to the civilization or just a childish distraction. Rothschild has another book on QAnon, which he calls uh, rather uh, pessimistically, I guess, the storm is upon us. The question is, what kind of storm? We're doing a similar book, although in a certain kind of way, it's a, a bigger book, a bigger subject, uh, more interesting in some ways uh, when it comes to challenging ontology. There's a new book out called Off the Edge, Flat Earthers, Conspiracy Culture, and Why People Will Believe Anything by my guest, uh, Kathy Weil. Um, it's a nice-looking book. It's already getting a lot of good reviews on Amazon. I wonder whether those are real or not, whether we can trust them or not. Kelly, I think, exists, and she is joining us from upstate New York. Kelly, welcome. Thank you for having me. Uh, so your book, Off the edge focuses on flat earthers. Is there a, uh, a lot of connectivity between flat earthers and, and, and the QAnon that Bloom and Moskalenko and Rothschild write about? I assume you're familiar with their work. I am. And I think there's a growing overlap between those two conspiracy movements. You know, when I first started looking into Flat Earth around 2017, 2018, I would say that these conspiracy theories were more siloed. But now we're in a moment where I think a lot of conspiracy theories are in conversation with each other. So a Flat Earth Facebook page, whereas it used to uh, predominantly post proofs, so to speak, about Flat Earth, is increasingly... Uh, dabbling in other conspiracy theories during communication. So, yes, I think there's a huge overlap between Flat Earth and QAnon right now. I have to admit, I'm always, I talk to um, uh, Rothschild and Bloom and Maskalenko, but Moskalenko about this. I'm always a bit skeptical in a culture where everyone claims to be religious, where the church is taken seriously, where the Bible is supposedly still the most read book. 
which is no more or less absurd than modern flat earth beliefs. Um, Kelly, given that most people claim to at least believe in God, what's so absurd about believing in, in the earth being flat? You know, I think religion is so ingrained in our society that it is a bit easier to um, to turn to that, to base one's beliefs in that. And I think to be quite a lot less literal about it. I know a lot of people who are believers don't necessarily believe the Bible is a literal text, but believe it to be metaphorical. It speaks to some uh, greater power that they feel comfortable, even with their understanding of science, placing some faith in that. Flat Earth, I think, is different due to the wealth of observable and empirical evidence that says that Earth is definitely, definitely round. <laughs> um, you know, Flat Earth is also, it's, it, it's such a small community, right? So many people know that Earth is round that to position yourself as a Flat Earther is, I think, quite different than positioning yourself as being quite religious in that there are a lot of very religious people. There are not many flat earthers and in joining that conspiracy community, you're necessarily pitting yourself against the rest of the world. Kelly, your day job is as a reporter at the Daily Beast. Uh, you recently had a piece on Carrie Lake, um, her opinions on COVID um, and her unsuccessful Senate bid. How, um, how, senior do the flat earthers become? Is it infecting some of the more extreme members of the Republican Party yet? Well, I haven't encountered any elected U.S. officials who believe in flat earth. Um, I believe there was a Canadian small-time parliamentarian, some kind of local official, who uh, did express flat earth belief. Um, well, you know the Canadians, you know, Kelly. You're in upstate New York. They've never been very smart, have they? Oh, I'll keep mum about that. I'm around enough Canadians day to day. Um, but, you know, uh, it, this theory does actually reach out to, I think, and resonate with some people who are fairly smart, who do have influence in their communities. I've seen a lot of uh, church leaders who are flat earthers and know that's not a senator per se, but that is someone who has sway in their community. That's someone who can influence people and who holds a position of trust. And so I think even though these conspiracy theories sound ludicrous, the fact that they have pull and they're plausible to some people who are not raving lunatics, but who are in fact, you know, influential members of their towns, the religious groups, I think that's worrying. Kelly, you mentioned earlier that religion was used in a metaphorical sense. So people perhaps aren't quite literally believing or claiming that God exists, but nonetheless, because it's so ingrained in our society, we accept it. We left that one off the hook. But I wonder, and, and you know this community a million times better than I do, but I wonder whether some of these people are also using the idea of the flat earth in a metaphorical sense to annoy the New York Times editorialists and Daily Beast writers like yourself and podcast hosts like myself. They know it's going to annoy us. They know it will get them in the news. They probably know it's slightly absurd. Uh, but they're not literal, or are they indeed literal? You know, most of the people I wrote about in my book are indeed literal, and they actually 
base a lot of their identity in that literal belief. They get very peeved if you push back on it. Uh, it's, it's something that they take to heart. And yes, they do believe in it very literally. I think there's a subset. How, of sorry to jump in here, like, Kelly, but how do you know? Well, I think we can judge that they're being earnest because of the consequences that they've suffered in their real lives to stick with this belief. They spend a lot of money to go to flat earth conferences. They risk their jobs and relationships. They often uh, suffer, I think, a lot of social stigma to uh, uphold this belief. And I've also spoken with ex-flat earthers, people who have been able to speak to how they got into this theory, how seriously they took it, and the emotional trajectory it took for them to get out of it. So I do believe that most of the people I interview in this book are genuine. There are a couple people, I think, who are doing it kind of as a, um, a philosophical argument, doing it maybe for a little bit of attention. But by and large, a theory like Flat Earth, um, which does invite a lot of ridicule, I think is something that people are, uh, are very genuine about if they're going to go all the way with that belief. So the question, of course, is why? Um, and you asked that question in a lovely piece in Lethab last year. Why do some people believe the Earth is flat? And you argue that um, people turn to conspiracy theories in moments of instability. But aren't all moments, Kelly, in unstable? Everyone always thinks they're living through peculiarly and particularly unstable moments. And then the next moment is even more unstable, seems to me anyway. Well, yes and no. I think to your point, everybody has this potential for a conspiratorial belief. It's not something pathological. It's something that's, I think, ingrained quite deeply in all of us. When I talk about moments of instability, I don't necessarily mean uh, a political era, an era of war or something like that, although th those can contribute to it. I think when I talk about moments of instability, I mean actual uh, events in people's lives that they're not really able to reckon with in a rational way. Um, and so rather than say, okay, I understand that my preferred political candidate lost uh, the election, that doesn't square with their understanding of the world. So as a comfort mechanism, as a coping mechanism, they turn to a conspiracy explanation. And that's what I mean by a moment of instability, a moment when their understanding of the world has been shaken. And rather than come to terms with a new understanding, they stick in the same kind of thought that they were following. Yeah, I mean, I, I take your general point, but I'm still not convinced because I don't think there's anything any more or less unstable today. But certainly back in the 19th century, we did a show uh, last month with uh, Susan Wells, who uh, an American historian. She has a new book out, An Assassin in Utopia, the true story of a 19th century sex cult and a president's murder, uh, which was about... Uh, a cult that arose as a, one of the consequences of the second awakening in, in American history and the founding of a utopian society. Again, in upstate New York, it all seems to happen, uh, uh, Kelly, in upstate New York. Back in the 19th century, of course, uh, those were unstable times, certainly for Christians, with Darwin, the idea that uh, man was not necessarily... Um, 
alone in terms of his genealogy that he was descended from the apes or back you know, go further back to copernicus i mean modern society has by definition been creating enormous existential and ontological uncertainty hasn't it for the last 500 years certainly and i'm glad you bring up the 19th century because that's actually when modern flat earth theory emerged, actually, I argue in my book, in response to these scientific revolutions, in response to science's challenged, uh, challenging uh, role in how we perceive ourselves in the world, how it challenged religion, and I think uh, placed religion maybe more in the back seat. Flat Earth emerged in this moment and allowed believers to discount not just specific theories like evolution, but really science wholesale. And so, yes, I think there are always moments of turmoil, uh, you know, within any historical era you can place yourself in. These conspiratorial tendencies that we all have allow us to take these unfamiliar surroundings be they, you know, modern political events, uh, new scientific discoveries, and shape them into ways that uh, comfort us, even if it's not necessarily a true description of what we're observing in the world. I'm curious, Kelly, how much um, work have you done on flat earth around the world? Uh, excusing, I guess, the pun on that. Um, it's certainly strong, as you suggest in your book in America, but then America's always been a country of cults, of one kind of insanity or another, certainly religious cults of one kind or another. It was founded by religious cults. Uh, is America the heart of the flat earth community or are there many believers in, in, in the idea of the flat earth uh, in other societies too? In Canada, for example, you mentioned that. It's a good question. And I think as an American writer, I do tend to center my own country. That's where I am able to conduct the most interviews. And I'm quite open about that. That said, I think a lot of the leading voices in the flat earth world right now are American, a lot of the biggest flat earth YouTubers. There is, as I said, a large Canadian contingent. There are a lot of Canadian flat earth conferences. I was also very interested in the flat earth community in Brazil. Um, there is at least one flat earth uh, centric commune going on there. It's also interested in aliens and all sorts of things. There are Australian uh, flat earthers, which uh, I, I think is a very interesting ontological position they place themselves in. Australia is a kind of a bone of contention within flat earth theory. Sometimes they don't really know how to grapple with it. So there are flat earth communities all throughout the world. Um, but I think American flat earthers right now are some of the biggest names in the game. You've, uh, you've obviously spent a lot of time looking at these people. Uh, Kelly, perhaps you might give us a couple of names of people who um, most of our viewers and listeners, unless they've already read your book, won't be familiar. But just give us a, a profile, the type of person. You mentioned some clergymen or perhaps ex-clergymen. Maybe they got thrown out of the church after preaching, uh, uh, sermonizing on the flat earth. Give, give us um, a profile of someone who, who, who somehow um, conforms to the, the ideal type, shall we say, of a flat earther. Sure. Well, uh, there's a Canadian gentleman named Robbie Davidson, and for a long time, he ran the largest modern flat earth meetup groups, these annual conventions that 
drew hundreds and hundreds of people. Um, Robbie, he's a nice guy. You know, you talk to him and what is consistently striking to me in these conversations is that these people aren't weird. They're not, you know, they're not wingnuts. They're not unkind. He's a nice guy. He's intelligent to speak I'm with. I'm sure he's very nice but, to his dog and his children, Kelly, isn't he? Mm -hmm. And so when I was speaking to him, trying to understand how on earth he, this, you know, seemingly coherent guy came into the strange theory. Um, he told me that he was quite religious, that he was quite literal in his beliefs and that he saw somebody pose a joke on YouTube and said, well, if you really believe the Bible as written, you should believe the earth is flat. And he said, oh, maybe they're right. And he went looking and he went looking for evidence to prove or disprove this theory. And through a, an intensely literal, I would argue, cherry picked biblical reading, he came to the idea that Earth was flat. And since then, he's uh, become a YouTuber. He really made his name doing this. He became a pillar of the flat Earth community. I think that probably feels good for a lot uh, of mean, people to suddenly become you, central. Yeah, you mentioned YouTube, which then gets me thinking about money. Um, is a lot of this just a scam? I mean, just preying off stupidity and ignorance and also building this, this sort of, I guess you could call it a countercultural now uh, profile of, of challenging the scientific community, challenging progressives, challenging mainstream media and making money at the same time through weird videos on YouTube. Yes and no. Um, I don't think most modern flat earthers are deliberately doing this with the understanding that it is false and the understanding that they are going to actively lie to make money. That said, some of them do make money off of this. Some of them are successful YouTubers. There are flat earth conferences. I've asked about their financials. They said after three years, it was the only the, the third year was the only year they made a profit. So some of them do, I think, make slim margins off of this. I think if you're looking for the real scammers, it's not so much in flat earth, which I don't think too many people have made much money from. But if you look at theories like QAnon, which have, I think, uh, broader subscriber bases, those people are actually raking it in. So flat earth, I've seen a lot more evidence that people have lost jobs, have lost connections and have ultimately, I would argue, suffered for this belief. But some conspiracy beliefs, yes, they're consciously or not, they're extremely scammy and they are exploiting their followers and they're lying to their followers for financial gain. Yeah, and I assume when they are persecuted, they think of themselves as saints. So that, uh, to me, the real question is whether, I mean, this is amusing and funny and we can all sneer at these people, but whether it really matters. We did a show with um, William Bernstein, a financial analyst who believes that the conspiracy virus was, is as dangerous as COVID. We did that interview a couple of years ago. We've also done conversations about weaponizing far-right culture with Cynthia Miller-Idris, uh, uh, and also an interesting show with uh, Rita Katz, uh, an internet uh, a terrorist expert who believes that QAnon and ISIS and Proud Boys and school shooters are all part of the same phenomenon. She has a book, Saints and Soldiers, so, so my question for you, Kelly, is does it really matter? I mean, these people are absurd. They're, they seem to me to be intellectual circus freaks. But are they the kind of people who are likely to wander into a school and murder 50 children or plant bombs in 
scientific establishments? Um, I wouldn't make that judgment for all of flat Earth. I will I'm say not that saying all flat- of them, but but is there a right. danger that um, you you know your your uh, your your book is called Off the Edge that some of these people may mm-hmm. really go off the deep end? Right. I think with conspiracy theorists writ large, and I some specific flat earthers that can give examples. Yes, they have taken extreme measures. Uh, I think that's because conspiracy theories speak to a very unsettled understanding of the world that these people have. They're willing to take drastic measures. And there have been a couple uh, incidents recently where flat earthers have taken, I'm glad you mentioned COVID because they've taken very drastic COVID related measures. um, early on in the distri- distribution of the vaccines, a flat earther who worked in a uh, pharmacy or hospital, I believe, went in and uh, purposely sabotaged vaccines. A flat earther broke into a COVID ward early during the pandemic and uh, was forced to leave. It turned into a police incident. So yes, there is a genuine risk, I think, of people, not because necessarily they believe in flat earth, but because they believe themselves to be so embattled, they believe themselves to be in a world that is so dangerous that such drastic measures are necessary. There is, I think, a safety risk. And what about with kids? I mean, are they infiltrating schools as the far right, at least according to Miller Idris and and other people we've had on this show. Is there a strategy for intellectually seducing children, people who are perhaps a little bit more vulnerable, prone to this kind of nonsense? Well, I think it's part of a broader far right strategy of undermining schools, often of promoting homeschools. A lot of flat earthers I've met who are parents, uh, they homeschool their children, they teach them this very uh, strict and incorrect ideology. I think this ties into a broader strategy on the right of delegitimizing schools, at least in the US. Um, there is an ongoing concerted push to remove any kind of school book in the state of Florida that uh, references race, gender, sexuality in, in ways that you know doesn't narrowly adhere to far right doctrine. Uh, there's you know been efforts to wear down school boards to uh, install, I think, extremely far right school board members. So uh, is there a specific flat earth curriculum? I mean, it's being taught in homeschools, which I think is often the uh, end result of a lot of far right programming when it comes to schools. It's delegitimizing them and allowing standards to drop and allowing parents to, uh, uh, you know, educate their children in ways that are just failing those children. You describe it as far right. Um, I don't suppose they're only on the right. And I'm not even sure if these terms left and right work in terms of this new way of thinking about the world. Aren't they just hardcore radical libertarians that reject any kind of authority, uh, even the scientific authority uh, of, of the state? Uh, and of, of course, scientists. I mean, are they particularly hostile? Who, who was the who was the scientist who discovered that the world wasn't flat? Is it Copernicus? No, I mean we've got these these proofs from ancient Greece, like six thousand years ago. So Ptolemy. Ptolemy. Uh, yeah, it's thousands of years ago, and it's because flat Earth is extremely easy to prove. You don't need uh, advanced technology. You can deduce it by uh, measuring how 
uh, shadows vary from distance to distance. You'll have Greek um, mathematicians planting sticks in the ground and measuring how shadows move uh, with respect to each other, with respect to uh, across the seasons. You can make uh, mathematical deductions about where the sun is and how large the earth is and what shape it is. So this isn't anything revolutionary. It's not difficult to prove the earth is round. What flat earthers are doing is casting out thousands of years of established mathematical fact and rewriting their own understanding of the world. So it goes back before Ptolemy, before Aristotle. I, I wrote a thing um, a few months ago in which I predicted the future, what the world would be like in 2042. I have no idea, of course, no more or less idea than anyone else. But the one, the, the three things that I suggested that won't exist in 2042 are Trump, please God, crypto, as already it barely exists now, and QAnon. What about flat earth? Is this a, is this a short-term thing, Kelly? Is it going to go away as quickly as it arrived? Will people get bored with it and move on to the next thing. Or I know you've written a book about it, so you have sort of something invested in this, but you seem uh, very uh, well balanced on it. Um, I mean, is this the kind of thing that in two or three years might have simply gone away and they'll have moved on to the next insanity? I think it's possible. I think it's unlikely, though. And these conspiracy theories do not emerge because they're the most rational explanation of the world, right? QAnon is completely irrational. Flat Earth is completely irrational. But what I think is important is rather than focusing very narrowly on one conspiracy theory and saying, aha, we can defeat this one, we need to be watching more broadly the themes as they evolve. Because QAnon, I think, even though it has its um, direct origins in the 2016 election, it has its direct origins and narratives about Donald Trump and Hillary Clinton, well, it borrows a lot of older themes from older conspiracy theories, anti-Semitic conspiracy theories. And so I think you're right to point out that QAnon and its most literal, almost scriptural way is dying out right now, but it's becoming more diffuse. The themes of, uh, you know, Democrats eat children, something like that. They're becoming, I think, they're, they're seeping into the Republican groundwater. And that's what I think we want to remember as we talk about how conspiracy theories emerge and evolve over time is not that they'll necessarily uh, become the, or remain literal doctrine, but that their themes and the things that make them emotionally resonant are probably going to stay with us. Because as we spoke at the beginning of this program, it's not necessarily that we live in specifically uncertain times. It's that this capacity for conspiratorial belief is always with us and that we often return to those moments, those themes um, in moments of stress. So will Flat Earth, will QAnon be around in, I, I think they will be around in two years, but in uh, 2042, maybe not, but the underlying motives. And I think language that will sound similar to them will definitely be around. You mentioned irrationality. That's a word that's come up a lot in terms of QAnon and Flat Earthers. Um, but I wonder, Kelly, go back to the beginning to end, uh, go back to what we talked about at the beginning to end this conversation. I wonder whether we humans, for better or worse, um, 
it's almost rational to be irrational. We're so uncertain about anything, certainly what comes after death, the origins of the universe, and so on and so forth. Um, it, it seems to me that flat earth is, is, as I said at the beginning, no more or less absurd than religion. And we shouldn't really worry about it, should we? I mean, well, apart from you know, the fact that it's it's comical and and rather sad, I guess intellectually, but otherwise, no no more comical or sad than people who believe in the Bible. You know, the reason I picked flat Earth is almost because it is so absurd. It is almost funny, right? To my mind, it was one of the most absurd things that a person could believe, and that's why I picked it as a vehicle to explore why people believe not just flat earth but other irrational theories other irrational beliefs so i am not ultimately worried that there's going to be a huge groundswell of flat earthers i think there's a pretty hard uh, cap at flat earth belief i don't think it's uh, ever yeah, if you believe in the flat worldwide. earth it can't be a groundswell kelly because the ground doesn't swell that's right. It's flat. But I think what's important is maybe if we take a step back, not worrying so much about will flat earth become widespread, but say what drove people to that point and what can it drive people to do further? And I think that is a good way of exploring the next conspiracy that's going to come, the next uh, strange religious movement, the next thing that's going to derail our lives and our politics. And that's what I want people to take away from this book.